Pelotero Pickle, episode 38. We're talking betting in baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. can't catch the ball. He's making way too many errors. Bryce Harper gets drilled with 98-7 to his face. And our baseball game is a good place for a first date. Let's get it. Pickle, episode 38. It is May 3rd. Chris, how you doing? We're on Beanie. It's May 3rd. How do you think I'm doing? Well, one thing that I've learned in the last year is where you live is a choice. So it's going to be 91 in Texas today, and the grass is green, the skies are blue. No beanies to be found. Really just my basement. It's not cold outside. It's like 60-something. But, man, it's always cold down here. I can't get it to be. I have the space heater on right next to me. Well, you're how you're actually... Your house has the walkout basement, which I, I love. Future home. I would like to have like the main floor. You drive in with the garage, walk in main level, and then the walkout basement. It's you got a good house. Yeah. It's your show house. It's, it's good. It's cold in the basement. Yeah. But you have like good stuff in your basement too. So it's worth yeah. it. But I had the uh including it's a uh, UMass, uh, UMass Boston, the Deacons. I have the I have teams send me their beanies instead of like t-shirts after I do a talk for them. So I, yeah, I I'm a big uh, shorts with pockets. If you don't have pockets, don't give them to me. It's just I'm not going to wear them. Uh, I like a I like a good team t-shirt. If anybody wants to send t-shirts to us, we'll put them. I'll put them on the wall back here. I'll wear them for the show. It'll be fun. Uh, you ready to jump into the topics? You got any pre-show? Any other pre-show? No MMA fights this weekend that I know of. No, Rutgers swept Nebraska though. Root Nebraska was 19th, I believe. 22nd, or what? It depends on which poll you look at. How many, pol- how many polls are there? Like in... 26. We should put out our own poll next year. Okay. Deal. Let's do that. Uh, topic number one. I think, did we talk about this last week? Rob Manfred, uh, here's advice from Adam Silver. So, MLB commissioner from the NBA commissioner, all about pace of play. And Adam Silver, says stop trying to speed up the game this is perfect for betting live bets between pitches um just overall landscape of betting in sports in baseball uh is this going to be the solution to getting viewership up tell you what the the product on the field right now did you what did you catch any of the mets phillies game last night i just watched the highlights uh the lowlights uh, yeah, the low lights because of all the tweeting about it. It was it was bad. I, I went on Twitter. Uh, I, I watched a movie with my wife last night, and then I, I went on Twitter and I saw all the A Rod hate, which he's pretty brutal. He's talking about fining Francisco Lindor for hitting too many homers. It's like what? He keeps talking about like you know what the funny thing I, I've watched like a couple Sunday night games where. He, he's tried to be like, this is a perfect spot for a hit and run. And I was like, A-Rod, there have been like four hit and runs in the big league since 1997. You know, like, he'll be like, but it's not, he wouldn't just say, like, watch for the hit and run. He kept talking about Bryce Harper being hurt. And, like, was Bryce Harper hurt? He, like, took a swing and he's like, oh, look, he's hurt. And, like, he didn't grimace. He didn't, <laughs> like, watch the game. It could, well, because Harper bunted with two strikes, which I thought was pretty strange. Um, like, did Harper forget there were two strikes, or was he actually hurt because he was swinging out of his butt in the last at bat? So, I don't know. 
Alex so he, is an interesting cat, man. He he, cat. for a guy that is as com- as accomplished as he is, as a player, listening to him talk about the game is perplexing. That's a good word. That's perplexing. Yeah, it's it's strange. He he um. Uh, yeah, it's just we. I can't even. It's it's tough to follow. Where he's like talking about sack bunts, he's talking about hit and runs, just making weird comments about launch angle and. Half the time he says something, the game proves him wrong. Twenty seconds later, but he doesn't even say anything. He, he just like it just it doesn't even register. Yeah, it just disappears into space. It's nice. It's good. It's, it's good. like it, the it, the opposite of the Michael Scott strategy. Michael Scott yeah, was like <laughs> living in living in media is healthy living, right? You could just be the wrongest ever. Like I was the wrongest just now. You know, wrongest ain't even a word, but I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna own it. Just get views. Just, hey, just own it. Yeah, the longest ever. Lean in. Like runners from first score with with no outs. Score more often runners with second. Just lean I'm in. I'm gonna make it. it a very clear point that I will find documentation that proves at some point in Major League Baseball, leadoff walks scored more often than leadoff doubles, and you'll okay. eat crow because all you showed me. By the way, the thing that you tweeted about and you were talking mm-hmm. about. Oh, I'm right. Mm-hmm. That was starting with a runner on second base and nobody out. There's a million ways for a guy to get to second base with no outs. Okay. Pull Millions. the stats. Pull the stats. Uh, I'm going to put a time limit on it though because this is going to linger, and I'm just going to. I don't want to. I don't want to drag this out. So you have until next week's show. That's. I mean, that's prove yourself. You want me to go through every box score in Major League Baseball in the last 20 years? There's there are tools available. You could crowdsource this, engage your following. You're the fans of Toronto probably have answers for you. Put them to work for you. Go never, for it. Prove I me wrong. That'd be fun. You're always coming up with ideas to try to try to get some engagement. Let's go. I'm just telling you, like weaponize your audience. I don't understand why it's so hard. And look, I don't understand why it's so difficult for you to just be like, yeah, it was it was in the clubhouse. Like you're like, no, prove it. I'm like, dude. This is like it's just not logical. There's there's no logic. It's it's just unacceptable logic it's to me. A, there's absolutely logic to it because I thought the same thing you did. But if you pay attention, run on second, base hit, like to get another hit, it's it makes sense. But anyway. it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make sense? Uh, let's talk about the topic. We haven't talked about the topic at all. Uh, what are your thoughts on pitch bets between pitches? Would you do like penny bets between pitches between or like? Like, what is the strategy there? Do you have to be at the game and, like, lock in your, your I would game? be rich because I would know every pitch. I think it would be really, really fun. Um, I think if you're at the game and you're, you have to, like, be – what do you do it on your iPhone in the game and you got to lock in your bet before the pitch is thrown? I'm sure the technology can is available for that sort of thing. I mean, That'd be fun. I you, think couldn't do it as, you couldn't do it at, like, a sports book, though. There's delays. There's Between pitches is too aggressive. This depends. You could. I mean, I guess they could do anything now, but uh, you'd have to be. It'd have to be quick. I, yeah. I mean, I don't understand the whole pace of play concept. It just blows me. Say what? Anybody I, that I thinks would try to make the game pace, as long as possible. Anybody that thinks the game is slow, try doing like the book and recording what's happening each pitch. I game talking, speed up on you real fast. I was talking to an old college coach who's been in pro ball. After that, he coached in college for forty years. And he was like, he was saying something like, you know, char- charging me a hundred bucks for a ticket or by the time I park and this and that, bring two people to a game, it's going to cost me 150 bucks. He goes, 
you better keep me there for five hours. That way I got my money's worth. You know, I, that's, yeah. I don't know. I always looked at, I always looked at a baseball game and a family time in the baseball game. as like, a. it was, a, it was a, a way to get away. It was a way to spend a full day together, but apparently the world doesn't, I guess now. And yeah, I mean, I would lengthen the game as much as possible. I think sports betting, like anything else, you just gotta, I, I don't know. I, it's too easy to bet now, right? It's you, you're on an iPhone, you're in the United States. There was a reason there were 49 states that couldn't sports bet for a long time. Now, you know, phones and tech, you can pretty much do it from anywhere as long as your state's not ridiculous about it. And I'm sure that'll change at some point. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's just a matter of everybody figuring out how they're going to make I, money. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like the leagues don't monetize the sports betting, they just monetize the viewership. So, I don't know, man. Leagues are going to get involved in making money on on the betting, which makes, tried, the whole, which makes Pete Rose's whole situation pretty interesting. Yeah, they've always I think tried. if if uh, if everything gets legalized, the the only issue with Pete Rose is he bet on his team, and supposedly never bet on them to lose, but still kind of unethical. Any thoughts yeah, on that? I mean, no reaction. You got four thousand billion hit so i don't care yeah um it, i mean betting in pro sports is a freight train it's not stopping it's only going to expand yeah I it's mean, just it a huge creates, huge revenue stream it creates engagement so. it, it creates it forces engagement right like well they're showing they're showing like the money lines and stuff on espn now I, the whole like sports gambling world to me, wh- when we went out to Vegas a few years ago, that was the first time I'd ever been to a sports book. I like, I basically had no idea that that whole world existed. Um, and then you go there and you're like, well, this is, is this what's actually driving this whole thing? <laughs> this, like it's, it's a whole different universe. And uh, yeah, you're just bringing that to more people. I think it does make the game more fun. Like if you've ever done a fantasy league where you've got a player that needs to perform, so you're going to watch that game, you're invested in it. Um, it does make it more fun, but if you're doing in-game between pitch bets, that that's pretty intense. Yeah, I think it would be fun. I I do think it would be fun. Good way to lose a bunch of money too. I'd call, I'd call the whole game. I would know the whole game. I'd probably get like eighty percent of pitches right if I could just call pitch type. I'm pretty good at predicting like batted balls, um, and the thing that that stinks is like maybe the pitcher will throw the pitch and the guy like fouls it off instead of putting it in play. It's like, well, I, I everything was right. The guy just didn't execute. That's the one thing I don't like about the betting is you, you don't have control over it. You're relying on other people, but you, I, you go to the automatic strike zone. Dude, the, there was a pitch last night against Bryce Harper that was all over the plate would have ended the game. That whole, that, that sequence of events last night was insane. The, the Mets scoring a bunch of runs to take the big lead. The Mets pissing away like the Mets always do. If you are if you follow any Met fan, they'll tell you that. Uh, Hoskins hits a homer that gets reviewed. And then Hoskins freaks out. He, did you see him like yes. mother effing the umpires? Like what, it's their fault? He's like, F you, F you. It's like, dude, I hit the top of the fence and they reviewed it. They got the call right. What are you mad about? Let's go out to second base. Um, the whole like placing of the runners 
it's like in the NFL when they think it's a tip. What is it in the NFL when they tip in or something? You got to play it out in case it. Yeah, they have to. They have to let you play it out because fumbles. If they if they don't call if they call it uh, not a fumble, then it's where the ball's placed or something. Play and they don't know where to put the ball, so they try to call it a fumble as much as possible, so that that way in case. It's weird. Replay brings different dynamics, man. It's it's it's. Told you, I've said this to you a thousand times. I said every action has consequences, right? Consequences that we don't think of. And you know, we're in the software software world. We're in development. If it can happen, it will happen. And people don't account for most of those things. They say, "Oh, it's not going to happen that often." But Reese Hoskins running around first base, doing his little, you know, to the to the crowd or whatever. And then he, you know, the emotion of that sucks. I, I lost a homer one time in the major leagues to replay and it sucked. Like it was the worst thing ever. Now, if you get one back, you're like, okay, great. I also lost a homer in Tampa too. And it turned into a triple that sucked too. Um, but they, they, did they review that one? Yeah, they reviewed it, but there were no cameras in the ceiling. The one I lost in Minnesota, I struck out two pitches later, which was terrible. God, that's the worst. Was that a foul ball homer? Yeah, you run around the bases, and you're like, yo, I hit over, but I was like, I think it was foul. And then, like, they let my heart rate get up, and then they go check it, and I'm like, you know, hopefully they see something that's not even there, and then you got to go hit again, and then you punch out. You're like, wah, wah. Yeah, I tweeted last night that uh, instant replay is, ter- is bad for the game. It just – like the Derek Jeter homer from the playoffs when the kid reaches over the, over the fence, like that would have been overturned. Like the, there's moments and there's storylines that happen because of bad calls and the human element just gets stripped. And Where do you draw the even line? like guys are like sliding into a base and they're like, check the tape, check the tape. Where do you draw a line? Right. I like Amish rules. Somebody I, who said that, um, so one of our friends said, go Amish rules. Once the game starts, no technology. Just go play the game. I think the, the the strike zone box is one of the worst things for TV viewership because I think the idea of an automated strike zone is just atrocious. And I've had a lot of bad calls made against me, and I've had a lot of good calls made for me. I think strike zone the strike zone going automated would be abs- the worst thing in the history of baseball. If you put the box up on TV, then you you almost need to go automated because the fan is sitting at home and just constantly being told that the wrong call is happening. But no, they only, they only notice when they make the wrong call. Let's put it that way. They well, when, only notice yeah. when they make the wrong call. Yeah, like in golf, you remember your bad shots. Like, you, don't, yeah. you don't give umpires credit for all the close ones that they got right. Correct. But they're, they're missing pitches out of the zone. They're missing pitches in the zone. It's If you're going to show that box, if you're going to have ESPN doing these Zoom flyby 3D strike zones that show – exactly where it crosses the plate or does not cross the plate and it's the right. wrong call you're just shoving it in the fan's face all joey night said that thing's wrong it's wrong joey bat said it what the strike zone yeah joey bats knows better i'm gonna send him this clip good uh i yeah i mean if, I, th- I just think if you show it over and over and over again to the fan it's like you're just slapping them you're slapping the fan in the face all night saying this guy isn't doing a good job. It's a lose-lose situation across the board. So you either don't show it and let the guy make the call, or you show it and go automated. This is like in between where the entire world knows if it crossed the plate, except for the guy behind the plate. It's just it's a bad experience. It's a bad experience. Like if you can't agree with me on that, then yeah, we, we won't. We will have to agree to disagree. 
I got, I got, I mean, I got nothing left. To, I, I mean, I hate the whole thing. So, but if if the whole like issue is like getting fans engaged, educating the game, like it's really tough. Like if you went to a tennis match and they just kept getting the call wrong and then showing you that Hawkeye view that the ball hit the line, they just don't overturn it. It's just a terrible experience. It's still a human call, Bobby. They just change it if the player appeals it. I understand that. Same thing. You should only – it should just – I mean, it should be a, a X amount of appeals. I think it's absolutely absurd how long umpires take in baseball to, to review stuff. You should get challenges. I told you this a long time ago. It should be a human strike zone. You get three challenges a game as hitters. Like – I do like the challenge rule for the hitter because the hitter then it, then it allows them to try to do it. The hitter should get a challenge and then there should be an instant. Should beat. the pitcher get a challenge? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Right. Put in as many challenges as you want, but like, let's not compromise the integrity of the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna, if we're going to, if we're going to compromise how long the game's taking, by the way, I just got a call from spam risk. Is that good? Do you ever get those? All the time. But like, they, they can't mess with the – it can't interrupt the flow of the game. It can't interrupt the flow. Hey, challenge, beat, good, let's go. That's what Hawkeye does in, in tennis. It does, in tennis, in tennis, they throw it up on the jumbotron and, and everybody yeah, sees it, it and it's like it's a yes or no. It's it's a lot quicker with the yes or no in tennis, there's, which they could do with balls and strikes. They could do that very easily. There's 57 people in the studio in New York. Just call, yes the, or no. Boom. The ball and strike could be – you could do the ball and strike. You could put that yeah, ESPN thing up on the jumbotron. So the, all the fans see it, everybody can look up and say, ball strike, whatever. Yeah, good. Moving on. Fernando Tatis, struggle bus defensively. Absolute struggle bus. Um, he's made 10 errors already this year. He made 18 in 2019, three in 2020. Um, so he's at, what, 30? I, I saw a stat that he's played officially 162 games. So 31 errors for a shortstop in the big leagues. That's kind of a lot. Is it but, safe to say he's just not good at playing defense? Uh, well, I mean, even 18. Why is my phone making noise? It's I have it turned off. That's sorcery then. Um, yeah, let me – I don't know what's going on. Try to res- I try to respect the Pelotero recording. I tried to too, but I brought the wrong computer and I got a phone call and it went through my computer. So yeah, that happens. Um, so Tatis, I don't think he's bad defensively. I think he's just on the struggle bus. And when you lose your confidence defensively, that can snowball pretty immensely. Oh, that's enough, without a doubt for that, that is the case, but I, I don't think you're like, I'm going to put this out there. I don't think you're allowed to do that playing short stuff in the major leagues. Is that fair? Like if it's you're tough. second base or right field. Okay, cool. But like, can, are you allowed to lose your confidence playing shortstop for a major league team? It's tough. Um, like, is he, is that a position? <laughs> rest just went down there. <laughs> is, is he in a position where a defensive replacement might creep in here? Like late game defensive never replacement? Happened. Never happened, but yes, it'll never happen. But yes. Yeah. So sign a six hundred and eighty-two billion dollar deal, you will never get a defensive replacement. But theoretically, yes, he should get a defensive replacement. Like move Jay Cronenworth to short and take Tatis out. Or like move Machado to short and put him at third. He might be more of a third baseman. I've seen a couple plays. I haven't seen all of his errors this year, but I've seen a few where he's getting like his feet crossed up. Yeah. 
Um, I've seen some throwing errors, so it's not like one thing. I know, like, if you're if you're concerned about your throw, catching the ball gets harder because you're worried your your brain's already going. So, I was the worst when I've had a, when I first started playing third base. I'm the worst thinker, analyticalizer, scissor, whatever you want to call it. So I went through a whole like I started the year. My first it was my first year playing third since college, it was 2009. I was like, yeah, I got to move to third. And bro, I made some, I made some bad errors early, and it it becomes that whole like you don't want the ball hits you thing, and then the ball will find you. It'll find you with difficult plays too. I'll tell you what, you're playing shortstop, you're gonna get balls hit you. I mean, I think you have to you have to play defense with reckless abandon, and you can't ever be concerned about errors. And I certainly understand. I think young young players in general, by and large, are, are you know you're worried about the perception of what it looks like right you're worried about and it's i would imagine tatis probably is above and beyond that but this is why i would say like i just don't think he's a short like he's probably just not a shortstop i mean he's was he six three he's a big shortstop lean i mean you know machado made the move really really early in his career to shortstop like he machado could have played short and moved to third and it was the best thing that ever happened to him um playing gold glove caliber third base uh it's tough because they're both on the same team now mm-hmm. um i don't know is he like i'd be more predisposed like i'd be more predisposed to put him in the outfield at this point because you've already paid him if you put a, if you put that guy in right field and he figures out how to play right field you'll get the same value out of the contract but obviously leaving him at short is good but depends on how serious you are about winning because i think it's hard to win a world series with a guy that makes 50 errors a year at shortstop. Just my thoughts. That's a lot. That's a lot of extra pitches, a lot of extra opportunities. It's tough. I, I mean, I think he'll turn around a little bit. How many games did he play in 2020? I'm going to look this up real quick. 2020 was a 60 game season, wasn't it? So pretty, yeah, how many he did he play? So he made three errors in 2020 and that was in 59 games. So that that's a very livable pace. He's got 10 and 20 games right now. So he's, I mean, I don't think you can play worse defense than he's playing right now. He had 18 in 2020, which would have translated to close to 40, 35 or so, which that's a lot. That's a lot of errors. He's young. Um, I would, I think the best trait you can have as an infielder, especially a shortstop, is just to make the routine play, to be dependable, to be consistent. Um, I don't know how many errors he's making on non-routine plays because that that can happen where you get to balls and then end up throwing it away or trying to rush something or forcing something to happen. and That can be a problem. Like they used to say that, well, like Ray Ordonez used to make these incredible plays and then screw up the routine ones because it's like you have too much time. You're not just reacting. Um that's the one of the bigger benefits of going from short to third is they go from more footwork-based thinking to third base is just all reaction. That I think that's for a young player who's struggling, being a third would be significantly easier because he could just trust his instincts. Like this is the case you and I talked about about having a little more time to think. Um I think you have to be special to play shortstop in the big leagues. 
Like, I just sure. think you have to be special. Even they're, and they're, <laughs> ma- they're making the fuss. The Toronto people are starting to make a fuss about Boba Shett a little bit. And could, well, they have Marcus Simeon, who's a very established major league shortstop. So they're Who, talking by about. By the way, had a, like a 46 error season at shortstop. Simeon did? Yes. That's a lot of errors. Simeon came up in the minor leagues. I played against Marcus when he was with the White Sox. He never played shortstop. He played third base and second base. And it was abundantly clear to me that he was not a shortstop. And then he got to o- the Oakland traded for him at, to play him at short. And I think they liked his athleticism. I'm sure they liked the metric things on his range, number factors or whatever. But this dude, I think I want to say he had the most errors a shortstop had in the major leagues in like 20 years. It was a 35 error season in 153 games. And it felt like 50. Yeah. Like he, him and I talked about it. It was not good. It was a not good defensive season. And uh, just for just for comparison, Omar Vizquel, uh, he had a season, 152 games with four errors. He had a, his one of his highest error totals was 20 in 150 games. That was his high 10, I think, I think 10, 5, 15, three that, errors in 156 games at shortstop. But that Come goes on. to the that goes to the point of like it, making errors is fine, right? It, it's how are you making your errors? What should we evaluate defenders on? Certainly, I think over the course of time, better defenders are going to have seasons where they have very very few errors, right? Case in point, Omar Vizquel, and they may have a season where they make 20, 15, 20, 25, whatever it is, because they get presented with more difficult opportunities. Like think about how ridiculous it is that you could be the cutoff man throwing a ball in from left center field after a double and the ball ricochet, like you one hop the catcher, the ball ricochets off the catcher's shoulder, a guy advanced the base, you get an air. You and that armrest, bro. Thank oh. the armrest. Uh, yeah, no, they're like different. Yeah. Errors can happen in a lot of different ways. Um, one of the topics producer Patrick put in here was like on a broader topic, how should defenders be evaluated? Um, he put in there no measurement of range. That's not true now with um, UZR. So UZR, I have, the, I have this the definition up. for The UZR rating quantifies a player's entire defensive performance by attempting to measure how many runs defender saves. Uh, takes into account errors, range, outfield arm, and double play ability. I don't know why outfield arm is factored there. But um, I think now they can track the player's movement on the field like this this picture above me is all the running of the 2019 season for all base runners. Um, we have another one over there that shows all the defensive movement so they can, I mean, they can quantify a player's jump from the outfield. Like how quick do they start moving? Um, and Darren, Darren, I think it's Wilman who runs baseball savant. Um, I've, I've had some DMS with them where like they can, like there's, there's times when defenders, and this makes complete sense to me, and people freak out about it. They're moving before the ball is hit and they can quantify that. That's badass. That's awesome. Because now you're looking at the abilities player to read the pitch, read the swing, anticipate. That's awesome. I did um, that so often, but they don't care about how you move at first base. <laughs> well, I mean, they, sh- I would, I would care about that if I was running the team. Yeah, but I, so I was being told that when you're the defensive measurements for first baseman, don't factor range beyond one step. Which is detrimental because I take a lot of pride in my ability to go right and left. Uh, uh, yeah, how much of that is just the years where that was happening with you was pretty early in the Statcast era. 
They so only care about how you catch it at first. They weigh that way worse. Hey, but I think that's the fair point, at I, first, that's pretty fair. That's fine. I think the point is, though, I don't think anything will ever replace the eye test because I like UZR had Kevin Pillar being a bad center fielder, right? The last couple of years. I put that guy in center field every day of the week and twice on Sunday because I know he's going to run through the wall. And just because he lost a step or just because, you know, some number says it's not good. I don't know, man. Like, I, like I'd still take him over a lot of center fielders. And, oh, by the way, like, let's not overvalue, like, a guy's defensive skills because at the end of the day, like, playing Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field versus – and no offense to Jackie – versus playing Kevin Pillar in center field, even if the numbers say that there's three or four runs of difference and Jackie's war obviously is higher because of it. I ain't putting like, if I have my choice, I ain't, I ain't taking Jackie over Kevin. Sorry. Period. That's fair. I think the eye test, I think does, does play a big role. I think what I'm, I was a shortstop, so I'm pretty partial just to talking about that position. There's a mental element to playing shortstop. There's a stability and a just it's reliability, it's consistency, it's um, and that's more mental than physical to execute on those plays over and over and over. Like you have to be engaged every pitch of the game, and you have to be positioning yourself well. You have to be thinking well. Um, you have to physically execute stuff really well. It's, a, it's such a diverse set of skills that you need for that position. Um, and every position has that. I mean, I, I couldn't go out into left field and like the slicing ball off a lefty's bat down the line and then like factor like a low liner into the lights at, with the with the thank you for defending like that's tough, man. Like just to go out into the outfield play as a shortstop. Like, I thought it was so easy. I was like, oh, the outfield's so easy, you just catch it. So hard. So hard. So like if you're even a little nervous about it, and that this goes back full circle, if you're if you doubt yourself at all, you're screwed. You're you're done. Like if you question, like if you start thinking, what if this or oh my god, if that, and like I don't know about this. No matter what position you're playing, you're done. And I imagine that shortstop is the hardest position on the field to do it at because there's just there is a lot of thing that goes into it. I, I get so impressed when I watch shortstops just constantly make that play coming in and make that throw on the run. Did you see the play that Brandon Crawford made the other night that was absolutely absurd but looked so routine? Dude, it was uh, lefty at bat, a fast guy. I don't know if it was Jazz Chisholm or one of, the, one of the fast dudes. And he was playing in a little bit of a shift. And, like, it's a two-hop, like, hard topspin ground ball up the middle. But to get the hop he needed, he needed to be, like, backing up to the outfield. But he was playing – like, he was shaded toward the middle – so he catches it and he just keeps stepping out to right field and like throws it across his body, like sinker gets a ton on it, beats the guy by a step because he was like literally moving away from first base as he, it was crazy, man. Like, and just such an underappreciated play. The getting, watching middle infielders go up the middle. I saw a second baseman. I think it was the Cardinals, the Cardinals or Philly. It was a red team. I forget what team it was. But this, this, it was a second baseman in the shift, and he went. He was in short center field, and he just threw it across his body. Oh, that was Scotty Edmond uh, with the no. It was, um, God, I can't. Remember. It was a long throw for a second baseman, and he made it look so easy. That is such a hard play. Adam Fraser made one the other night too for the Pirates. That was pretty. Yeah, absurd. I saw that one as well. Um, 
it's just there's such a I don't know. My favorite part about the Fraser grind. It's a mental grind. Favorite part about the Fraser play. Announcer goes, he has to be 150 feet or more away from first base. And then stat caps is like, no, it was 117. 150 is extreme. Anyway. See? Technology wins again. <laughs> Technology wins again. Anyway. A lot, of, a lot of unintended consequences with the uh with the technology. Anyway. Um, I think so, like the for me you feel good about who's playing shortstop. That's how you know if it's good. Like if you feel good about the guy that's out there, if you're not concerned, if you're not like eh, on the fence about it, that's how you know he's good. I need a shortstop to make every play because I've played with guys that make every play, like every play. They never, they, the only errors they make, you're like, what? That's so weird. Oh my God. Chuck Jerolman, best defensive shortstop I ever played with. Coach at the University of Florida. Made every play. Troy Tulowitzki. Throw on the run, throw standing still, sinker right into my chest. Yeah, he threw he threw sinkers, right? Yeah. That more more uh, consistent release point. Um, cool. Next topic: Bryce Harper absolutely ate a fastball with his face. Ninety-seven. Um, shockingly, like didn't get hurt. Like that could it could have hit his nose, could have hit his eye socket, could have busted up some teeth. It like hit like to the side of his face next to his nose, like just turned right into it. Um, what's it like getting back in the box after that? I have my, my worst story. I had a foul ball into my eye one time when I was like 12, like it was a fastball up and in. And I, I tried to get on top of it and it, it hit it straight into my face. I don't know how I did it. Uh, getting back in the box was pretty difficult did after that. Uh, I don't think I cried. I just like, I went down because my, I tried to stay in the game, but my eyes was so swollen. It was like completely over my eye. So I couldn't see. So I had to come out of the game because I couldn't see. Uh, but I remember like going back to the field. I had like a, I put a face mask on because my face, my eye was still messed up and like swinging a bat and trusting that the ball wasn't gonna hit me in the face again was pretty hard. Um, major league ball game, lefty on lefty guys throwing a billion how hard is it to get back in the box? You got hit in the face. Yeah, it wasn't very hard. I just knuckleballer, didn't. right? No, I got hit in the face. Well, it was a fastball nose. pitcher. But I was a knuckleball pitcher, but he threw a fastball. I broke my face. nose in the Olympic qualifier. Me. Oh, yeah, that too. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, fastball off your nose. Broken nose. It wasn't that hard to get back in the box. You just do it, man. It is what it is. I mean, it depends. It's the same thing as playing shortstop. If you're thinking about it, then, it's, then you're going to think about it. There's some. There were some fields that got my dome. Like where I just couldn't trust staying down on the ball defensively. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you just get, you get back in, man. You just do it. Like if you go through your whole career and you say like, I'll take my chances because I never gotten hit in the face before this. And like, I don't think people give enough credit to like humans ability to react to stuff and get the heck out of the way, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> what? I, I feel, dude, I honestly feel like there are so many balls that I think are going to hit me when they're on their way to home plate, and then I get out of the way. I find a way to, like, get out of the way. Um, getting hit in the face is obviously uniquely different, but, I mean, did you ever feel that? Like, when the ball's coming at you, like, oh, crap, and you, you figure out how to move. Like, your reaction time's good. It's way better than you think it is. If you're playing baseball, yeah. your reaction times are way better than you think they are. The scary thing is when you start facing guys with pretty good breaking balls. And then sure. you have to learn how to just stand there when the ball's coming at you. Yeah, That's, but it's one of the hardest things ever. Let's clarify one thing. Nobody just stands there because you see guys get buckled in the show all the time. Like 
Dylan Batanz has buckled me six straight sliders. Like, let's face it. If you're going to not get buckled in that situation, it's because you literally told yourself before that pitch, you know you're getting it and you're standing there. Because there are plenty of guys that you don't recognize pitches off of. So, like, I mean, good breaking balls are good breaking balls to everyone. It's just a matter of, like, whether you know what's coming or not. The, the way I learned how to hit a curveball, I might have told the story on here. Chris Riley, I was a sophomore in high school playing varsity, and we were doing a curveball machine. And I was, like, just leaking with my front shoulder. And Chris Riley was the t- big, old, tough senior, and I was pretty intimidated by him. He was like, keep your front shoulder in. He, like, yelled at me. I was like, okay. And I, <laughs> but I did it. I'm like, oh, that's really, really easy. And then curveballs were my favorite pitch hit for a while. Um, you just got to trust it. You got to trust that it's going to break. You have to. The first time you start seeing good curveballs is really hard. No, like it's just hard. Um, maybe kids nowadays, if they're doing blitz balls, maybe they get better at it. But the blitz ball, you could throw a two seamer right into your face. You could swing at a pitch on the outside corner, and it hit you in the face. That would stink. But yeah. it's a blitz ball, so it's okay. Getting hit in the face stinks, but it's not that bad. I mean, Harper could have been hurt a lot worse than he was. Yes, yeah, so could I have been hurt a lot worse. I just broke my yeah. nose instead. You just deal with it. Move on. It stinks. Don't get me wrong. Like, when anytime you get hit in the face, it sucks. But uh, either you get back on the horse or you don't. Well, you just pick. Like, yeah, you just. You mean you got to go back? You got to go back. Carlo, John Carlos was the worst I ever seen. He back in there. Okay, broke like three teeth, didn't he? Uh, his was bad. Did he? Take, did he take the guy deep too? He got him. It's the worst if the worst thing is your teeth, dude, because your teeth are like there's like an aesthetic thing. You gotta go get them fixed and like the bruises and broken noses, like eye sockets, whatever. I mean, your eye socket's scary as crap. Like, but in order for it to really compromise your eye, I think would have to literally fit into your eye socket perfectly. Um, Nose, jaw, whatever. It it still comes down to it's pretty rare. It's it's very rare to get like significant injuries. And the reality is you can get hurt doing anything. You can get, Yeah. Is like, it worse to get a right cross from Nganu or a Max Scherzer fastball off the jaw? Is it worse? I don't know. They're both pretty bad. I'd rather not get either one. But you can't – my point was you can't live your life in fear and you can't play the game in fear. You just got to accept it as part of the game. And if it happens, it sucks. But that's, you know – there's a reason why he's playing. You just have to will yourself to get back. Like, he's back in there quickly. I mean, he came out the game when it happened. He didn't miss any time, though, right? He played, like, the next day or two days later. Harper? Yeah. Uh, I think I think he missed one game. Yeah. You just get back on the horse, man. Yeah. If you want to hit a Hummer more than you want to, like, be scared, then you'll stay in there. If you like hitting taters. Think about that. Yeah. Get back on the saddle. It's good. Uh, we got one post-show item, and this is more like entertainment of the game standpoint, which I liked a lot. There was a, a really funny thread with the Diamondbacks. A kid tweeted at them saying his friend was on a date with a girl at a game and wanted to check in on him, see how, see how it was going, and it turned into a really funny, entertaining thread. So the question is, is a baseball game a good place for a first date? First of all, it all started because the kid left his location on, so shame on him, right? Don't leave your location on, share it with your buddy. Second of all, just for context, that was second date territory for them. The girl, and apparently the girl was a really good sport. 
And yes, I think a baseball game is a great place for a date if your significant other or the girl that you're going with or whatever likes sports and is willing to learn about it because then it becomes a great place to have a conversation about sports. Uh, it's awesome. It's an awesome place to talk about stuff in general because you don't really have to lock it in or watch. Um, so my, my first thought was baseball games can be long. So that, that could be if you can't carry a conversation, like a three-hour plus date can be a lot. Um, but the game is going to give you opportunity to talk about stuff. There might be education opportunities. Maybe the girl knows more about baseball than you, and she's telling you about the game. Uh, you can talk about players. You can get some ice cream, get some chicken fingers. Uh, well, maybe you can get on the big board and yeah, maybe yeah, maybe you're – <laughs> maybe you get a foul ball. They both had a baseball at the end, by the way. I think the Diamondbacks gave a ball. Maybe you just get Twitter famous, whatever. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is a good spot for a first date, uh, if the girl has feel. some like sports feel. inclination. Feel. Just feel. Let's yeah. Feel. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think it's good. I've been out of the dating Great game for a long go. time. Well, I mean, what are you going to go to a movie? If you go to a movie, you can't talk. How are you going to get to know somebody if you can't talk? Your first date at a movie stupid. Yeah, first movie dates, you just don't, you can't even talk to each you gotta other. You got to go for like a walk in the park or a cup of coffee. Do people even go on dates anymore? Like what, like what is considered dating nowadays? Yeah, I have no on, idea. Talk about like the whole like Tinder, Tinder, Bumble, like Snapchat, the whole, I, like it's terrifying to me. I'm so glad I'm married and have kids and don't have to think about it anymore. No, I want to think about it. I'm glad I'm married and. I love my wife. She's great. But I want to know what people are thinking. Like, I want to know, like, what, a, what's a date? Like, what, what, like, you remember I was at uh, the last season of Entourage uh, or the movie, Entourage the movie. I can't remember if it's the last season or the movie. It's the last season. And Ari's like, what do people do on dates? Because she, she, he's like, like, he took the girl out to dinner. She's like, I've never been on a dinner date. She's like 28. I'm like, what? Never been on a dinner date. Where do you go to dinner? Where do you go on a date? I don't know. I you think you got to. I think you got to do something for a date. Like just sitting down at a restaurant is not that ain't it. I would, in retrospect, I would go bowling. I feel like if somebody can bowl, then you can kick it. Kind of like scope out the, some athletic movements. Seeing a lot of athletic movements, seeing <laughs> their compete level. You can figure out a lot of personal. You can see if they're left-handed. I've had a weird thing about date girls that were left-handed when I was young. I don't. I don't even know what it was. If they were left-handed, I thought it was weird. So you wouldn't date a left-handed girl? I had trouble with it for a while. I was like, I didn't like <laughs> all right, yeah. Baseball Producer people. Patrick might need to chime in here. He's young. He's he's more in that potential Baseball scene. We are. But I think, yeah, baseball game is good for a first date or a second date. Like that one. Second date. Should have gone to the pool in Arizona. Hey, extra man. Can you go in the pool, COVID? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Pool might be closed due to COVID. Stupid. Just go in the pool. The chlorine probably kills all the bacteria or whatever. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, That's it. We're done. Yeah. I, almost dropped, I almost went anyway, pickle out. So I'm going to do it. All right. Well, that's episode 38. 